<laughs> What's up, everybody? Not a journalist here with Eric T. Mullins. Eric, how you doing, man? Hey, man. Awesome, awesome. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today, good sir. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. It's my first day, though, so if I don't know when to cue in with my responses or if I go overboard, feel free to be like, hold up. <laughs> this isn't your first podcast, though. You've been on our show in the past. Well, actually, Geektastic Cypher, but... Yeah, and it was pretty random. Like, I was just kind of there for, like, I think, like, four minutes for, like, uh, the intro thing, and then <laughs> afterwards I had to go back to my table yeah, at the yes. convention. Yes, Retro Expo for all of you guys who are tuned in, and uh, that was the first time. If you listen to Geektastic Cypher, we've done specials at Retro Expo. Shoutouts to Proto Man. And um, it was a lot of fun, and you got to sit in and be a dope guest and geek out with us and and talk shop and all that jazz and we definitely appreciate man i just noticed all you guys have these cool chairs like yesterday i was talking with cliff uh, caporali from Com montreal comic-con and he had like a red racing chair like that and now you have this one. Oh man i've got like a story about this chair <laughs> yo man i used to work in furniture tell me i actually like chair stories as weird as all that right stuff. so Years ago, like, um, let's say around like 2006, I yeah. went to like a Staples and picked myself up the fanciest chair they had there for computers, thinking this is it. Yeah. This chair is going to be good for my back and my posture and everything while I draw for like 12 hours a day. Okay. And boy, oh boy, was it not. I was going to tell <laughs> and, you. <laughs> and I really like, I kept that chair forever. There was actually like a bar going through where like my butt was. And I was like, this is so uncomfortable. Like once that cushion was gone, it was gone. And it was just, I would have to put regular cushions in there. And it was oh, so no. terrible. And then at one point I was like, okay enough's enough and this is about two years ago so I really had that bad chair for a long time and it messed me up big time oh, and then shit. I was like I'm gonna buy a good chair I'm gonna spend the money and it's I can't like tell you how much it's worth it like and not only that I like I do my homework with everything in life too I wouldn't just go out go to a random shop and be like I'll take that one it yeah. looks pretty no I like I spend the time like I'll really <laughs> be like on the internet watching 50 reviews of every possible chair and like oh well if it's this one's for heavier set people this one's for taller people this one's for people that have longer legs than the yep, average yep. bean so like i would just i did all that homework and i found out that this chair was like the perfect chair for me and i was like oh man and it was like this is like an exclusive one they had made where it has like the armrest that can like move around which was yes. perfect so i could put my um my drawing tablet on the armrest so I can like kind of move back and sit more comfortably while I'm drawing. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, and then like, so when I knew this was the chair I wanted, I like, I was like, oh, it's going to be hard finding this chair. And then I called the first place and they straight up had one. And it was like 40% off. And I was like, what, yeah, what a win. <laughs> so my whole life experience with this chair is pretty great. And since I've had it, it's like, oh man, less posture problems, less back problems, less knee problems. Like really like, yeah. Uh, it's like these little things that you don't think about, especially when you're like, oh, I don't want to spend like, you know, almost a grand on a chair. Of course, of course. You got to think that if you get a good chair, it's going to last you like 10 years and your back will last you significantly longer. So the chair that I'm sitting on, I don't know if people can see it. But it I, looks like one of those IKEA chairs, or well, maybe it, a <laughs> it's a it's a chair from Buron Grove from Staples, yeah. so just like you were talking about. Because I used to work at Staples, I used to sell chairs in the furniture department. So I'll tell yeah. you this: Did you research before you bought the chair from them? 
No, definitely oh, okay, not, yeah. man. Like, I was fresh out of, like, high school, or fresh out of college, yeah. and I just finished, like, getting my degree in illustration design, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, set myself up. Yeah, I went there, yeah. and I'm like, I'll take your fanciest chair, good sir. And I was just like, <laughs> ha, 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 putting myself in deeper debt as I got this chair that was just a terrible chair. Like, I'm sure had I looked up information, I would have gotten one that would have been better for me at the time. Yeah, especially since, uh, and I, you know, it's not a trade secret that the whole point in the, the furniture sales department is just to make money, right? So the guy saw you and you were just like, I want the best chair. And he's just like, oh, the best chair is this $400 Obus form high back. Because I know what the best chair, I know exactly which chair they probably tried to sell you right off the bat. And then yeah. when they realized that that's a, like you were probably just like, OK, that's a good chair. But I mean, it's a little expensive. They're probably like, ah, perfect. And then they like moved you down to like a second or third. And usually the third chair is the one that they're actually trying to sell you because it's that dude. I'm telling you, everything is this whole tactic. It is ridiculous. The things that we're taught and how we're like shown to explain the chairs and and one of the, oh my god, one of the things they used to do was there'd be like promos every once in a while. They'd give away trips to the the store that sold the most of X product would get a trip to give away to the salesperson who sold the most of it. And we're talking like all inclusive paid trips to like resorts and stuff like that. So from oh, one week to the next, you'd go from selling like Canon paper by the ream to selling like HP paper to selling some other Staples brand paper to selling some other paper. And it's every week it changes because it's whoever's offering like the, the highest sales of this paper will the store that sells the most of this paper will win the trip. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of most companies are like that. Like when yeah. I was younger, I used to work for a bank, and it was the same thing. Like oh, banks, you wouldn't know it, but like it's even like the tellers are always trying to sell you credit cards or lines yes. of credits or things like that, and yes. all of that clicks in. So there's like quotas too, which is something uh. that like not working at a bank, I didn't know that there were quotas. So it's kind of like you we got to keep hitting these numbers, and you'd be surprised at how often and how easy it was to go over. It'd be like, hey, bud, you want ten grand? Yeah, here yeah. You go. <laughs> and then like random people off the streets. Hey, you get in here! I got ten grand with your name on it. Of course, it will be at thirty oh. percent. But don't worry about that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Future, you worry about that. He's a sucker. <laughs> Let past you and enjoy life. I like that you're like future. You's a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let the past you have all the real fun. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, retail. That that. What are, What are some of the other jobs that you worked before you did uh, illustration? If you don't mind me. Uh. Oh man. Well, actually, I'm kind of like somebody that I actually love working. And it sounds kind of weird, but I actually love working with people. So oh, yeah. Even when I was working illustration, I was doing contract work, and even at one point, I worked for a couple of years for um, MMA Elite. They're oh, like the cool. company that did like shorts and t-shirts for like um ufc and yeah. stuff like that so i did like drawings for them and even when, uh, yeah you would just I, i'm you, very uh empathic right so yeah. i always put myself in the shoes of these people where i'm like oh my gosh if i walked out and somebody kind of like did me wrong like that i'd be so i would hate that place forever so yeah. i'm like <laughs> i like to think that i get customers for life but you know like bosses like to see that bottom line but not all of them are like that like yeah. right now i'm working at an eb games and like the crew i'm working with is amazing that's dope 
Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's really laid back and really chill. And again, it's kind of the same thing where you're like helping clients find games and stuff. It's the same thing where you're like, oh, I want this one. And you'll ask them what kind of games they like. And then you'll be like, no, sir, you're not yeah. going to like that one. Get this $10 used version of this game. And it'll be the best game of your life. And 90% of the time they come back and they're like, you do you have more mind? like this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, you know, that's one of the things that I respect about that specific field, uh, working at EB Games and stuff like that, getting to be almost like a game curator for people. It's like, yeah. it's like when a kid goes to the book, the, to the library or a bookstore for the first time and they're less like, Oh, I like fantasy and magic and this. And, and the person's just like, it sounds like you like Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah now the machines yeah. do it but you know once upon a time people were the the actual ones that helped you based on their knowledge and your knowledge and and a fun conversation as opposed to just typing in stuff and just seeing it spill out information it's it yeah, yeah. and uh just to go back real quick on it like because drawing i'm always alone drawing oh, yeah. so like i'll draw today 12 hours draw tomorrow 12 hours draw the day after 12 hours and it's between 12 to 14 hours and at one point i'm just like i haven't seen anybody i haven't yeah. talked to anybody i'm going crazy yeah <laughs> so like getting that break where i can just go and work at like a little part-time job even if it's just like 10 hours a week so i can be like all right i'm gonna mingle and talk yeah. to people <laughs> that's like i love it so this whole like quarantine thing has been like really doing a number on me <laughs> i was just gonna ask you based on what you just said like when you know have you found yourself being more motivated to create because you're being almost forced to be home all the time uh, at first, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. um, I really took advantage of the situation big time. Like, I did all these projects that I wanted to do for a long time, and yeah. it was pretty awesome. And then as time, like, I'd say, like, in the past two weeks, I've had a bit of a harder time staying as motivated as I usually do. Yeah. But I guess, like, I like I make my own comic book, and every year I come out with a new issue, and I just finished it. And usually when I'm done, I, like, go out, I celebrate, I party it up for, like, a like half a month where I'm yeah. just chilling with friends that I never get to see because I'm always working. And because I didn't get that this past two weeks, I've basically been like live stream or uh, like, you know, like uh, communicating with them on like discord and stuff like yeah. that. And just building Gundam models or just <laughs> playing magic the gather. I'm, I'm a nerd. I nerd out on everything. All right. So like, or just talking to them on discord while I would be drawing like anything so that I feel like I'm less alone, you know? Yeah. Well, you also have your your wife that that is uh, an artist as well. Is she home with you yeah. these days, or is she like? I'm imagining you guys are living together, so we do. Um, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh man, imagine like we were married but not living together. That'd I know someone who has that situation, and uh, when the quarantine hit, they weren't able to get back to each other to quarantine together at the oh time. Oh my gosh. So they had. So yeah, so they had to stay separate, and then when one of them, because one of them was traveling at the time, and then when the other one, when they came back, because they, one of them works in a hospital, and the other one was the one traveling, the one who worked in the hospital had to be really careful because they were afraid of getting other people sick, so they were just like, I want you to come home, but I think if you come home, I would have to quarantine with you for the two weeks or almost a month because that person's going to come home for two weeks, and then they they're concerned about getting something so they were like well i should probably quarantine for two weeks extra just in case and they oh ended boy. up deciding that their partner ended up deciding no i'd rather you go to work because it's beneficial to help people right now so they didn't see each other for like almost a month <clears throat> that's that's hard yeah 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 but, stuff uh, like that yeah i do see my wife it's just that she 
um, she does a lot of painting, and she actually, like, she worked for Soak de Soleil and oh, Combat at Canadien and, like, all these big companies for, like, sewing and stuff like that. That's so cool. And um, uh, the school that she had gone to had contacted her because they wanted her to start teaching, and she was supposed to start mid-March mm. when everything got canceled. Oh, God. So, essentially, even though she's here, she's doing constant meetings and constantly setting up plans because, I don't know, if, like, for any of you that are from montreal or quebec like our uh like lego the guy in charge of everything is basically like next week everything's opening so prepare yourself <laughs> yeah so everybody all the teachers like scrambling to prepare themselves and then the next week he's like all right we're not doing it it's next <laughs> week and then they have to change everything because the teacher they can't just keep using the same plan because the teachers don't always teach on the same days and they yeah. have to uh, structure themselves accordingly oh, so then they'll shit. like make videos and stuff to show the students and think okay now we have to change everything and he's been doing this non-stop since March so yeah. she's been working like crazy so uh, she's not with me as often as I would like but yeah. she's still there and at night we're still hanging out and stuff like usual I guess it's just uh, it's not uh Anyway, it's it's better yeah. than what some people got. I'll I'll give yeah. it that. Yo, but hats off to her, man. That 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 like I I feel like during this pandemic, one of the things that a lot of people, you know, of course, uh, hats off to all the people on the front line and whatnot. And they're hardworking. My partner's a nurse. She's hardworking, and she's out there, you know, doing the job and 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 being there. My mom's a nurse, doing the job, being there. I have a whole bunch of friends. Shout out to Mark Phillips who tunes into the show pretty often. Uh, he's a nurse too. Uh, PAB, sorry. Um, but then like your your wife is still being an important part in helping teach people in a time where yeah. like parents are finding it hard to try and do their job from home like they realize what it what the what teachers are putting in but uh, she actually sorry cut in real quick no, but no, of um, course, because of her sewing skills she's actually been making a lot of masks too oh, and she's just charging yeah. costs so she's been like all of our friends and family, you know, like we've been just, she's just been busy making tons of them and just shipping them out and stuff like that. And like, I've like one of my best friends is on the front line as well. And so yeah. her as well, we, like she was the first person that like, um, my wife was like, I'm going to make some for her immediately, you know? That's and good. so she makes some and put little Zelda logos on it. And stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. you know, she's into that. And, um, she's frontline, but she's, uh, one of the people that's the cleaning crew in the hospitals. Oh, that's so it's like, it's just, it's man, it's As a important, rough situation. Buddy. All these people are in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, cleaning crew. If anything, they they weirdly enough are in one of the most uh, bizarre predicaments because uh, cleaning crews have to go into places that like. So, for example, my partner is a nurse in uh, with with children and and newborn babies and stuff, and that's a small area and almost no exposure. Knock on wood to the the virus. But the cleaning crew works on every floor in every section of the hospital, constantly cleaning. So, you know, one, yeah. Day, yeah, one day you might be working in a COVID section the entire day. And then so hats off to your friend, man. That's really important. To, you know, next time you talk to her, tell her that, like, we appreciate that because. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. try to tell her every day. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this stuff's important. And, and people are working really hard out there. Um, speaking of working really hard. You just mentioned it, but you didn't get to continue. Uh, please tell us about the comic book. I know you've spoken to me about it on Geektastic Cypher, but for anyone who's new listening for the first time, um, what is Blight? I see the shirt. Oh, yeah, sure. All right. So, uh, yeah, I always represent. Every time I do, like, I kind of do live streaming every single Tuesday, oh. and um, I take, like, mashup requests. Like, you would say Batman, and somebody would say a Ninja Turtle, and then I draw Ninja Turtle Batman. <laughs> so, like, I do that every Tuesday, and so I've, I've made all these T-shirts thinking, oh, all these live streams that I do, i got to do that. Yeah. And really it was, like, a minute before doing this with you, I was like, 
wearing just some random shirt. I'm like, oh, I gotta put that t-shirt on. <laughs> That's awesome. um, but like, I I'm so terrible. Like so many artists, I'm really bad at like promoting myself. Uh, okay, so I have my own comic book. It's called Blythe. Yeah. And it's all about the first day of college for a bunch of extraterrestrials that live outside of the boundaries of what we consider time and space. Dope. And so I basically come out with a new issue every year. It's anywhere between like. It's about 20 pages, but like last year was about 27, and this year's is going to be 38 or 39, oh, so it's a okay. little bigger. Yeah. And this is kind of like a big trade paperback that's got like one to five in it. And it's, oh yeah, that's another thing. It's all in color, and I do all the writing, I self publish it, I ah, damn, illustrate it, obviously. Like I just do everything. And so it, that's why it takes me so long to do one of these. And um, I've got like an Etsy page, and I put everything up there. Oh, and for people that get one, I always draw little sketches on the inside like this. That's so cool, and, man. And if, like, basically, and it's not, like, I, I like to personalize it, too. So when someone got, buys one, I'm always like, pick out a character, and then I'll sketch out the character they chose. Yeah. Um, for those of you that see me at conventions, I usually sell individual issues every year. And those ones, I'll do the same thing, and I'll put, like, tons of exclusive stuff in it. So that way, I like to imagine, like, one day when I'm, like, crazy popular and there's a TV show of my comic book <laughs> that um, – those individual issues that I've only made like 70 of will be worth something one day, but I don't know. I le like I grew up with that kind of stuff, you know, like variant covers and yeah. comics in the 90s. So, like even now, like I'm very 90, like late 80s, early 90s oriented with my designs and my concepts and everything like that. Oh, and one last thing, oh. uh, my comic book, the entire story takes place on the first day of school. The yes. whole thing. Yes, so, I like, remember you telling me that. Yeah, so like the first comic in this is kind of like the night before where he's just hanging out with his friend. They're just chatting it up about the next day. Then the next day it's like getting up, going to school. Like that's the second issue. And then like the third issue is them like orientation. And the fourth one is the first class. And the fifth issue is actually the walk from the fifth class to like – or I mean the, the first class to the second class. And the whole thing is just them in the hallway. And it's like 38 pages of them just hanging oh, out in the hallway shit. and messing around. Because there's so much that happens, and I really want to tell, like, every little thing in, yeah. like, someone's life. You know, like, when you think about your first day, like, at one point I have one person freaking out looking for a bathroom, but it's a new school. They don't know where it is. They're, like, running around, and they're missing, like, one of their classes doing it, and they're like, oh, my God. So I just, I don't know. I try to make it, like, super real. Like, I went, I had a lot of first days of school in my growing up because my parents moved around a lot, so yeah. I try to put as much of those experiences in my comic. I like that. I like that you're really, truly speaking to a group of people First of all, we all have first days, but you're also the fact that you're th th taking into consideration people who might go through this often and kind of putting the fun and anxieties of what it is to be doing a first day. And the idea that like, you know, you get to savor the first day and the fact that it's not just like one issue the first day, next issue a bunch of days later, because sometimes when I read comic books, it feels like you know they skip over a lot of stuff there's like oh this yeah. is you know this but it's because that's not their story you know like a lot of yeah. times like if they're going to tell a school story their story is the whole semester yes, or something yeah. like that like if it's a school story because they want to get somewhere like that it's yeah. really i guess it's like what i'm kind of doing is i'm telling my story that's like in between those panels that you would read from that yeah. so it's like just having like you'll have like two people that are talking here and you're going to focus on them and at the same time 
these people are talking, so it's going to cut to them. And it's just some of them's just hanging out. Some of them might be like front and pretending to be something that they're not really because yeah. they're like they want to be cooler, they want to be more <laughs> popular at the school. Or you'll have clicks too. Like some of them aren't really nice. Some of them are seem nice, and some of them, are, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And like the what you get in the first day is really intense too because everybody's got their masks on. Yes, it's yes. So rare you'll have somebody that just shows up and they're like, "Hi, this is me, and I'm 100% the way I am." Like it's. <laughs> It happens. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not trying to, like, I'm not bragging or nothing, but I was, I'm really one of those kind of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm really like, hello, this is my name, and I love Gundams. And then they'd be like, gun what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said <laughs> gun, the call 90s, security. You know, like, nobody knew what that was. <laughs> yeah. Like, we had Gundam Wing, and nobody watched that. It was like a political anime. You were hoping robots would show up, and they just talk about politics for, like, <laughs> 10 episodes. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> It was a political anime. Kids didn't yeah. understand. I remember uh, Tanahasi Coates oh, was writing Black Panther at one point, and when he took over, he made it super political, and it wasn't like action heavy. And I remember reading it and being like, "What child is gonna read this? This is the most." That's it. <laughs> Especially if you market it to a kid, you know, like yeah. let's say you show the cover and you've got like the Black Panther looking like a like a like a badass, and he's yeah. like diving off of like some tree, and you see he's about to kill these two people, and then when you read it. He dives off the tree, lands, and sits next to them and starts talking about the economical growth now that they've introduced, like, trade routes in Wakanda. And yeah, you're like, yeah. well, there's, surely this doesn't go on. Oh, it does. Yeah. Oh, oh, geez. And, you know, as an adult, you might read this and some of the writing might be clever and you're like, huh, this is actually kind of funny. Yeah. But, like, as a child, you're just like... <laughs> When is he gonna punch someone? Oh, dude, there are full-on scenes where they're having like council meetings, and I'm thinking in my head, I just want someone in the council room to try and attack T'Challa <laughs> so that T'Challa can kick some ass or Shuri. Yeah. Because I was just like, don't get me wrong, Tanahasi Coates wrote an amazing comic book, and then when he went yeah. on to do the second run, where it was like the Galactic Empire of Wakanda, not just uh, set in Wakanda, but some other space story that I didn't even get to finish reading, I should go back to. Uh, but that one was way more action and way more crazy, and and like had to do kind of like a little bit with like slavery and and xenophobia, and I was just like, okay, now we're getting into what I was hoping Tanahasi Coates would have done the first time yeah but sometimes it takes a bit of a run to get into your groove yeah and yeah. also sometimes you need to prove yourself the first time around before sure. certain like um publishers will be like because you know the second you get into things like xenophobia and racism yeah the main publisher is going to take like a magnifying glass oh wait i got one right here and they're just going to be like <laughs> and if they don't like it you are in trouble like you're going to have time they're not going to let you write another run so yeah. you do your first run you kind of set it up and then afterwards then you can kind of slowly bring it up to them and they're like well you know what your first thing was written pretty decently go with it because <laughs> the last thing they want is another like well sorry for all you fans out there but another Brie Larson going out there and just saying whatever is on her mind yeah. <laughs> and like literally like just digging a hole for herself and Marvel and they're just like oh man please stop talking lady. <laughs> uh, and you know she stood up for a lot of strong things it was just oh, yeah they're way of saying it <laughs> Yes, yeah. I do remember that, that at the time when she was trying to explain it, that the way she worded it offended people. But at the same time, I definitely understood what she was trying to say. And I was just like, I mean, damned yeah. if you do, damned if you don't, right? That that was one situation where I feel like, I, to be honest, though, I feel like no matter what she said, people were going to jump on her because people were already jumping on her when she was cast in the role. They're like, she doesn't look like Carol yeah. Danvers. It's just like, no, no one looks like Carol Danvers. She's a fictional character that's been drawn differently by a hundred different artists. Who exactly are you thinking? 
thinking of when you think Carol Danvers. Anyways, that's yeah, a, it's true, man. That like that's actually one of the things. You're an artist. You're a comic book artist. What's it like when you draw a character and like, first of all, you draw a character, and if anyone ever draws them like after you or or, or like does a um like a demo or a, a draw in my style char- one of your characters, what does it feel yeah. like when you see that? All right. Um, I got like two things to say about that. Uh, the first thing is that I draw, I do draw a lot of fan art because that's what sells at conventions yeah, and the fan it. art helps pay for my comic. Yeah. So I have gotten like, you know, I've gone, been going to conventions for over 10 years. So mm. I get more than my share of people that'll walk by, look at my drawing of like, uh, I don't know, like the Ninja Turtles and yeah. be like, ugh, no, that's not for me. And I'll draw them because I kind of draw like a mix between anime and American style. Not everybody loves that. Yeah. And um, so like I'll get little comments here and there about this. You know, you learn to get thick skin and brush it off. And that in turn allows you to become more humble when people mm. do your own stuff. Okay. And another thing is, is that because when like, cause I've had quite a few people draw like fan art to my own comic book cool. and I'm 100% always going to be supportive of that That's i don't awesome. care what kind of style they do it in i don't care what kind of drawing it's just i'm 100 supportive because That's the so thing cool. is is that my comic isn't marvel it's not dc yeah i'm not a multi-trillionaire i'm like some struggling artist living in his little apartment <laughs> trying to make things work like so many other people out there especially yeah. when like self-publishing is an arm and a leg and I don't even have time to market it because I spend so many hours making it. Mm. So it's really like when people are willing to technically market it for me by drawing fan art of my stuff, I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I always look at it and I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. Um, that is, yeah. So I definitely understand like the whole beat, especially like with, you know, the whole Brie Larson thing. Yeah. It's just, you know, and at one point too, like I wasn't a huge fan, but a lot of that had to do with, you know, like, Brie Larson didn't write that film. Oh uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> and thank you. Thank I you. never thank would have you. taken a character that's as laid back and um, I guess like the strong, quiet type, like Brie Larson. Yeah. In the film, she came off like that and tag team her. Like to say this is a a Marvel film where we're gonna make women first in this one and show a strong woman that can literally beat up everyone in the Marvel universe, no problem. Yeah. She's the best thing ever. And now we're gonna partner her up with one of the most iconic, charismatic actors of all time. Samuel Jackson. We'll, we'll just put Samuel Jackson in there. And it's like, what are you doing, Marvel? Like, you like you were front-running this girl to become the new Iron Man. Like, yeah. she was going to be front-row and center, and you literally washed her out with such a powerful, strong, not... He, he wasn't supposed to be the lead. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, oh, it's like, these, those aren't... Like I feel like a lot of it is just not her fault, you know. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just it sucks. It's I just, still love the movie though. Hand. I still love the movie. It's one of yeah. the, it's one of my favorite Marvel movies, and I say that because I I I I've always been a Carol uh, a Danvers fan. Um, I think the character is super interesting. I like her relationship with um, Spider Woman. Uh, I loved her relationship when they when her and Rhodes got together and they were dating in the comic book. Uh, uh, I love when she went out with with Parker. When she oh, met with yeah. Peter Parker, it was so awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was cool for a while. Like Peter Parker would always like hang out on her back, and she'd just fly around. <laughs> yeah. uh, man, and Spidey's villains would show up, and they start shooting at him, and then she'd just get in the way, and then she'd beat them up like nothing. And you're yeah. like, oh, it's <laughs> yeah, it was cool. But that's it, right? Like I, I feel like in the comic book, the character has so such a co- cool story. Um, Civil War Two, some questionable decisions were made, uh, which I thought they it felt almost like they did that to 
tear the character down a little bit for no reason. Um, uh, yeah. Because that that, that storyline really makes her look just like a crazy person. Like, just like... Well, uh, like Iron Man in Civil War One. Yeah. Sorry for yeah. all of you Team Iron Man people, but Iron Man caused all of those oh, problems. Oh, yeah. Dude, I've had that discussion recently <laughs> with someone. in the comics, like, he just... He teamed up with the bad guys. Yep. He, he, like, everything he did was just terrible. Yeah. Uh, He's... He was the villain of that story. He's the villain yeah. of Civil War One, which is why... But for all the right reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. That's That was, like, the heart of the hard twist yeah he's just like i was just trying to make the world a better place yeah which is what and that's the thing i feel like in comic books whenever they have characters say i'm trying to make the world a better place but they go to the extreme to do it it's always this wild story it's civil war it's civil war 2 it's uh yeah. like you know reed richards and whatever story he's doing where he's throwing people into some other negative realm to try and protect people you know there there's always those and you know what's not fair about that too is that you brought up reed richards and like right now we're just talking heroes they always kind of get like the the bottom end yeah like if they're like i was just trying to make the world a better place you're like how the mighty have fallen yeah. <laughs> then let's take somebody like dr doom yeah or you know like um auto octavius like uh, doc ock when he was uh superior spider-man like oh, all these people that were story. in the same position yeah you like or Magneto, obviously, yeah, like yeah. case in point of everyone's favorite. Uh, well, arguably Doom is similar, but still, like having characters like that literally say the same lines, you're like, oh man, if only he had pulled it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, the whole time you're you're wanting to root against this guy, but they write him, they write them so well, where you're just like, I just, I want them to win. But then when Reed Richards does the same thing, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, I hated you, Reed, and I always hated you. You're a monster. And when he's like, I just wanted to make it better, you're like. Yeah, I still don't like you though. <laughs> like it's just not fair. Like I feel bad for them, you know. Oh man, like I, but uh, it's, it's just the bad guys get get all all the gold because there's no expectations, right? Like that's the main thing. There's yeah. no expectations, and then when you're a hero, there's high expectations. So when you're a hero and you start doing things that are questionable, it's just like, well, I mean, you're obviously a monster. What? I just didn't let. The <laughs> I didn't let this person cross the road because it was dangerous. Yeah, but that's a monster thing to do. Meanwhile, the villains are just powering through downtown. No one's getting to do anything they want. It's just like, that seems like something a villain would do. It's a weird analogy, yeah. but you saw where I was going with that. Um, when you're writing your comic book, uh, well, first off, you're writing your comic book. Are you also working on any other side comics? Because I know you have that one. Are there any like, no, you're just like, I got, yeah. No, just this one. Like <laughs> I got a whole bunch in the old noggin. Like, even before writing that one, yeah. I have, like, five or six different stories that I had written down because that's another thing. Like, mm. I watch – when I'm drawing, like I said, very lonely. I can't just listen to music. Like, I've been drawing my whole life yeah. since I was, like, seven or eight years old, and I'm 35 now, so music doesn't do it for me. So usually in the corner, I'll play, like, The Simpsons. Oh, I usually cool. go through season two to season ten, and then I just repeat those seasons. Oh, interesting. I've seen them <laughs> – I love them, especially like the ones Conan O'Brien wrote on, like season oh, five, man. season six. They're, oh man, they're my favorite. But like, um, I've seen them so much that I can just play it in the background and I feel less yeah. lonely. But I watch a lot of movies too and I watch tons of mystery science theater. Oh, cool. And so I watch a lot of things like this. So oddly enough, I pick up on a lot of writing tactics that a lot of, I guess some people don't always cue in on, but mm. like because I'm usually listening more than I'm watching, I'm always like, huh. So when I write my stories, I usually write it from start to finish, like the whole thing. So even the story I'm doing now, I yeah. come out with a new issue every year, but I'm not writing a new issue every year. My story's already written. I just oh, have to cool. do the drawing, and that takes forever. Yeah. So when it comes to dialogue, I might 
modify things here and there because you know as time goes by I become a better at writing and I'm mm. like oh now that this character I've evolved them in this kind of direction I might have them speaking with a bit more slang than I would have in the first issue so mm. I slowly build up on these characters and uh, it's just kind of things where like because of this I already have my ending and so I'm oh, just, yeah. I was just gonna know, ask. working through it and I find that there's a lot of shows or a lot of movies or a lot of things like that where they don't they don't do that because mm. they don't know how long they're going to last. You yeah. know, shows that are on syndication could last 10 years or more. Mm. And so they don't have a real ending. It's kind of, they might, some people might write like a rough draft and then think, okay, we'll kind of end it like this. And I guarantee you after five years of being on television, it's going to change. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. that's why like I, I, and when it changes, it's rare. Like I can't say it's for the better or for the worst. It's just, it's rare that you get good endings, and I watch a lot of anime too. And mm -hmm. oh my gosh, so many terrible endings! Like <laughs> we can't all have Full Metal Alchemist brotherhoods, you know? Like yeah. it's just, it just doesn't happen. So that's why, like, I really wrote my whole ending so that way there will be structure and there won't be any plot holes too. That's something that freaks me out. Like I'll watch something and then a series will end. And I'll be like, what about this? And yeah. This and this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they'll just be like, we're not going to mention that. Yeah. I'm looking at done. you, Avatar: The Last Airbender, Zuko's mom. Oh, interesting. Oh, yes, because they do show her in that one episode, uh, and then you, you never get any updates on anything related to her. No, I heard that maybe in the comic books there's something that has to do with it, but okay. that's just disappointing, <laughs> especially yeah. since they came out four seasons of Avatar Korra, where at one point, I believe they even in there, they mention it at one point, yeah. and, but they don't talk about it. They're just like, what happened to that? And someone's about to say it, and they cut it off, so they kind of turn it into a joke, oh. which, you know, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I try to avoid as much of that as possible, but I like which I'm we appreciate no... as as a fan who consumes a lot of content. Thank you because it that that is something that definitely drives me crazy. Yeah, the loose threads. I mean, you talked about your partner's sewing stuff. When there's a loose thread, you nip that, you cut it. You don't just leave loose threads hanging because someone pulls on it and unravels your story. And I'm sure if someone went yeah. deep enough into Avatar: The Airbender and started to look at the Zuko's mom's angle and started to question things, it's just like, well, I mean, it feels like a huge big part of why the character is a certain way, why the father is yeah. angry and aggressive, and it starts to like, you know, it plays a role, but you've never shown us what happened, so. Yeah, and so these are like little things that like I try to avoid, yeah, <laughs> like crazy. But most of my because of most of my comic all takes place in one day. Yeah, all of it's pretty much just character development. You know, like it's not going to be like my Hero Academia. All of mm. my creatures in my comic have crazy powers, crazy abilities. They can do all sorts of things, but um, I'm not going to have. I'm saying it right now, like right here, make it official. official. They are not going to go to gym class and all start fighting each other. Because that is not the message I'm going to show. That is not what it's about. Most schools would never do something like that. Yeah. And a lot of my comic has to do with multiple races that were at war for a long time. So okay. sending them all to the same school that they're being forced to be going to, by the mm. way, like they're forced to send their kids to the same schools. I am not going to have the gym teacher be like, now let's fight it out. Like, there's no yeah. way. <laughs> so no uh, the most kind of violence you're going to see in this, it well. I guess rather than violence, let's say like action is yeah. mostly going to be like uh, rom-com style things where it's like maybe somebody likes somebody or they're kind of shy around someone or like I said, they have to go to the bathroom and they're freaking out. So I'll use crazy <laughs> action fighting style angles while they're running through the school. Like first they're walking, but then they have to go. So they start going faster and then they're like running and they're like, where the hell is this? So That's it's just dope. like weird little things like that that I like to put in there. I like that the 
like the description you have sounds so animated and i like that it, the the like because in your head that's the thing that's cool for a comic book creator i feel like in your head from panel to panel you see the things that happen in motion between the panels and that must yeah. be so interesting and and it's like what's it like for you if someone says like have you ever had someone say to you like, Oh man, like I get this to this. Like I understand and I see what this was and how this connects. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Cool. Um, so I, there's an multiple artists that I really, really love and for different reasons, like let's say like Joe Maguera. I love yeah. Joe Mad's artwork, but I was never a big fan of his storytelling, but his drawings are so incredible. Mm. And then you take someone like Frank Miller, whose artwork, especially in his earlier years, it's unique and it's mm. a style, but at the same time, it's um, very amateurish and he uses a lot of blacks to hide his yeah. inability to do anatomy at the time, but his storytelling is like <laughs> Next level. incredible. Like you, you could remove the text from all of like his dark night and just go through it and you would know everything that's going on. Yeah. You'd be able to follow it. Yeah. So, um, like I'm, one of those weird people, like I said, when it comes to watching shows and things like that, I kind of like overanalyze things and I like study things. And when it came to like making a, a comic book, I really wanted like you could remove most of the text and you'd understand what's happening. But mm -hmm. the thing is, is that there's so much text because people are talking and hanging out at the yeah. same time. Yeah. It's just that I make it very, very clear. Like all my panels, it goes from here to here to here. And like, even without the text, your eye is going to go where I need it to go. I kind of like subconsciously manipulate you <laughs> to look where I want you the to magician. look. And you know, like any great storyteller is good at doing that in drawing. And I've always known that. So I work really hard to be able to try and um, do that myself. Like every page I try to do that kind of thing because I want it I'm trying to compete with Marvel and with DC <laughs> you know like I can't possibly do that but the print quality of this trade paperback is the same that you would get with Marvel or DC it's the so, same kind of super paper and that's kind of why like it costs me an arm and a leg but I think it's, it's worth it, it. Yeah. and again you know like just doing like my paneling and my coloring and everything needs to be that that level but even though i keep calling it a comic and i draw it like a comic and my storytelling is more american all mm. the artwork is super anime like super manga and i would love for this to be an anime like i could picture being one of those like 10 episode animes where like from episode one to episode 10 it would be the series then there'd be like an ova special which yeah. would be a holiday special <laughs> and then after that there'd be a movie and the movie would be like a school trip so that's like I already have this all mapped out in my head. I was gonna say, man, that's pretty fucking cool. Like in like you're describing like there's a whole evolution in this world for you, and I I think that's cool. Like when you say you have the end of the story for this first one, it's cool that in you also kind of had the vision of where it could go next, and that I mean yeah. that's really that's not always easy for people. Uh, you know, it it's it, it's like creating a world and then releasing it out there, and then sometimes there's a feedback from the audience and. The, and you might start to course correct based on what they're saying. But in your case, because you have the plan, you're really planning to push through with it. And I think that sounds like I always respect that more. I think that's more fun personally. Thanks. And I, about the course correct with like fans, that's another thing that like I try to avoid it mm, because I course. see it. I've seen it too much over the years where you'd have like a huge crew that are like, do this, do this, do this. And then the artist or the writer would do it. Yeah. And it would just it would kind of undermine either the rest of the series that had come out before then yep. or going forward because he, that person, like he or she didn't um, plan on that at first. Yeah. Now they're writing around it. 
Yeah. And it's not as um, it doesn't come out as naturally. Like it's really hard to write it when you've got like a restriction, like certain restrictions that you put yourself in in the first place. Yeah. My only dilemma is time. Like I said, <laughs> it takes me a year to come out with each comic. I'm gonna be finished my sit. Well, I just finished my sixth one like a week ago, and I'm yeah. gonna probably put it up on my Etsy like at the beginning of July, and then um, it's just that's number six. I've got like 15 issues. I literally oh, have wow. like. Another seven years of or eight years of drawing to finish this. Have you ever thought of getting someone to work with you on it? Yes, but okay. I don't have the funds. It's okay. expensive, and yeah. um, I'm not. I'm somebody that believes in paying artists for their work of too. Course. Like, so if I did hire somebody to either help me fill in the flat colors yeah. or help me with the publishing part, it's just it's money I just don't have. Yeah. And when it like comes to spending money on the comic and spending money on the printing and it's just it's all too much yeah no that's <laughs> and when i'm drawing i can't take contract work because i used to do tons of contract work and that would help pay things yeah but like spending like 10 hours doing contract drawings and then five hours drawing my comic it was killing my hand i wasn't enjoying myself so that's again why i got the part-time job to help me pay for things yeah and then i do like the occasional contract here and there but that's kind of how it is have you been adjusting to the quarantine slash no convention situation right now? Uh, that's kind of a nightmare for me. Like conventions, I usually like all the money I make at a convention, I'll use it to fuel the next one and the mm -hmm. next one and the next one. And like to lose like my biggest one in the summer and then all the other ones being canceled, like yeah, <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, but like. It's one year off, so I'm telling myself, all right, I'm going to work on the next issue to my next comic, and rather than printing a, a physical copy to this one, maybe next year when I print my physical one, I'll combine the two together, so it'll be like a 60 or 70 page comic instead, and okay. I'll try and go forward from there. Like, I don't know. I'm going to try and do it like that. Um, no, I think that's cool, man. Again, I like that there's a plan. I feel like the, there's like there's some people I speak to who like to go with the flow of things, and I think that's fair. You know, some people like to do that, and th that's a different way of approaching it. But I think I I'm I'm one of those like logical people. I like when things are like structured, and I understand yeah. step by step. So whenever I see the 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 freeform artist style, I'm just like, good for you. I could never do it. But talking with you, I'm just like, oh, I get this. Like, there's a plan. There's this. There's an execution. The re like, I ask a question, you have a very precise logical answer right away to explain why this this and this has to be done this way or why this can't be done that way. And that's cool. I think if anything, that helps with. You know, uh, for anyone who's like interested in looking at the comic, your mind frame is the type of thing that you applied to the comic book. And I think people should definitely check it out because you get like you'd be getting a real solid story that's from someone who's dedicated to telling this specific story. And they're not going to oh, waver thanks, from man. that. Yeah, no, that's cool. I I am I, one of those people that it, it's like I'm not easily influenced. But if everyone started watching my pod and was just like, you should do this with it. I know I'd probably be like, yeah, maybe I'll try that. But I like that you have a plan and. Yeah, but when you have a podcast and people make suggestions, you could try it out on one episode. True. Like, it's oh, yeah, not something that will necessarily yeah. reverberate for the rest of your career during podcast. Like, <laughs> if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. True, true, true. Like, for people doing comics, like, I've, I've met some people that just, like, they just they pick up a page and they literally just start working on that page and that's page one. And I can't even do that. Like, I literally yeah. will do, like, thumbnail sketches of all my pages and oh. I do it with like a rough script and then afterwards like I uh, I 
I kind of like, I kind of like, once I'm done that, it's like I work on top of that and I work on top of that and on top of that until oh, everything gets cool. polished with each step. So this way, like, I'm doing everything as a whole. And again, that kind of cues into like plot holes or mistakes here and there, even page story structure mm. and stuff like that. Like, I always want it to be really clean and really nice. Mm. Um, and also, something that, oddly enough, I didn't do it since my first one, but maybe around like my third one, I realized. I was having trouble doing certain characters every now and then because I'm not always looking at them. So at that point, that's when I made like oh, these. Oh, cool. And these are like character design sheets. Yeah. And I have like one for every one of my students, all my teachers in my comic. And I always look at them, even when I do my little sketches, when I'm coloring them all the time. So that way they always have the same personality traits, yeah. the same kind of jaw, the same kind of eyes. Because oddly enough, like a lot of people don't do that either. And you'll look at a character at the beginning of a comic and let's say you look at the same character like 20 pages in and like maybe that character is not drawn the same <laughs> yeah. you know like and that happens quite often oh like, yeah, yeah, really yeah professionals don't do that but like i'd say like when you're like in the middle you tend to start to learn about this sort of thing mm -hmm. and then when you're just starting off most people don't even think about it hell dude i'll i'll be honest i've seen professionals do that i've seen there's yeah there's an x-men comic that i read once where storm is drawn one way at the beginning and by the end of the comic was drawn like quite a bit differently like i was in one of my nerd groups people were like posting up panels being like Yo, what happened between like it like page one and page fifteen of this issue? And, and like it was a, it was funny because it was a big conversation in those nerd groups. Like people were like, "Wow, genuinely. was it like?" Because sometimes that could be a different artist that got on board, or no, let's no, say an, one anchor inked the first half, then another uh, anchor inked the second half, and it might be that that anchor is just a different like has yeah. a different style of inking. So it really, it's inking plays a massive role in comics. Like it's not like. Like these, like I remember back in the day, like pencilers would just do very sketchy pencils, and nowadays pencils are really tight mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they want the anchor to follow the lines perfectly. Exactly, because yeah. back then, uh, like you would draw like a sketchy drawing and then give it to your anchor, and your anchor would be like, "Well, I don't, I'm not really sure which line to follow, so I'm going to follow <laughs> these lines." And at that point, it's like the anchor is the one doing a lot of the drawing yeah. because they're the ones choosing out of all the lines, so you can have art that you're really, literally, like this doesn't even look like that artist. Like the ah, artist that damn. sketched it in the first place. Yeah. And so I've seen that happen often in older comics. Interesting. Okay. I don't know if that's what the case was for this one, but that's that's good to know. That, that's something I was never aware of. Uh, I never even thought of at the time. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I like this. I like that I'm learning stuff. Oh, dude, you mentioned it at one point. You talked about late 80s, early 90s comic books. Uh, there's a documentary called The Image uh, Revolution uh, on Prime that talks about how Image got started and the whole movement away from Marvel and DC. Were you ever an Image kid? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was. I haven't seen that documentary, but I've seen other documentaries mm. about all the people that work together to create Image. Yeah. So, you know, like I'd see things on like uh, Jim Lee and... Uh, obviously Todd McFarlane yeah. and uh, like that whole crew I know Scott Campbell did some work for them back then too and like it was just like I loved Image I, I was a massive massive Spawn fan like oh. every kid in the 90s like yeah. he like I, I still like oh man I think he is the best black superhero of all time I'm straight <laughs> up saying this he's just such a badass yeah. everything about him he, he's Oh man, I love Spawn. <laughs> I'm really a big Al Simmons fan. And like I I love Spawn up to like issue like 50. Like I really hung in there, but after that it was just it just kept going and I was at that age where I'm like, "Well, I'm off to college now. Yeah, and yeah. I can't afford comics. <laughs> I have to pay rent." But I loved old school Spawn and I oh man, he was just really really a great hero. And like, you know, like 
Tom McFarlane's approach too, where he's kind of like, well, people loved Venom, so I'm going to make him like Venom. And like he kind of took like everything yeah. that was cool at the time. People love pouches, so let's put pouches everywhere. <laughs> Thank you very much, like Rob Liefeld. And uh, I, I'm saying this as a joke, but I actually love pouches too. Like I think when you've got like millions of little pouches to put things, and I know yeah. it's like Rob Liefeld's like thing, and I, I love him for that because I was always like, oh, that's so legit. Like it's if you'd convenient. see Cyclops and he just has a regular belt, I'd be like, okay, but what if he's – he doesn't have Kleenexes in there. Yeah. Like, what if he needs like a little knife or something? something? I know he's got a laser. Well, yeah. I know he's got like a force blast thing, or he can ask Wolverine. But I like to think that you know the leader would have certain things yeah. on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Communication, case of, like tweezers. I don't yeah. know. Like, it's weird to say these, but if I was gonna go out on crazy like missions, most people you see going out on missions, like if they're like Navy SEALs and stuff, they've got a whole whack of pouches. But so you know it's what? Like, I'd like to imagine that. Hell, all he like a pouch for a mirror would have been. Just a mirror so he could, like, redirect his oh, glass would be the most... That would be amazingly cool. <laughs> so uh, he has simple. The pouches. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, dang. But that's that, that would have been awesome. Dude, yeah, so I love all the, those pouches and stuff. So anyway, like, the whole, like, image thing, like, yeah. I think it was, uh, what was it, Hawk or Dark Hawk or something like that. I'd read those ones, too, back in the day. Oh, Shadowhawk uh, by... Um, the, the... Shadowhawk. Thank you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, Shadowhawk Shadow was Hawk. really awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Gen 13 was part of Image back then. Yes. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I just watched yeah, the documentary. So I read Gen like, 13. That was great. The documentary is super interesting. And a lot of the stuff that they talk about it and the passion they had, I'm I'm seeing in you talking about stuff. So that's why when you <laughs> mentioned the like 80s, 90s, I was just like, okay. I like because they talk about like the, the beginning. And then when Robert Kirkman showed up and Kirkman was like essentially just a fanboy that got hired to work with the people he was fans of. And it's yeah. just such an interesting thing to watch him be like, because at that point, Liefeld uh, wasn't there, and uh, like they like people had like Top Cow had left, and then Top Cow was back, and then like Kirkman showed up, and he was just like, uh, I don't like that you guys aren't all friends, because in my head I was gonna get to be friends with all of you, so I'm gonna make you all be friends again, and then just went <laughs> about to make them all friends again, like spoke to Liefeld, spoke to Larson, spoke to Silvestri, spoke to this guy, and was just like, can we all have a meeting? Let's just get this together. Uh, you know, Stevenson is like publishing editor, and he's, he's just like, okay. Okay, I guess we can try and make this work. And it was just kind of cool to watch how it all played out and, and essentially just a fan being like, I want to hang out with all the people I admire. And I, I'm like, fuck, that, that'd be so dope. Um, That's cool. Uh, That's cool. Before, Because I just, I didn't realize how much time talking about comic books is so much fucking fun. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about Flight and Flight Micro Mechas. Fight and oh, flight. That's why we're here. I know. We were like <laughs> I get so sidetracked so easily. I'm a very passionate person. So whenever Dude, I get into something, I'm like, oh It was great. I fucking love this conversation. We got to talk about so much dope shit and and like now I'm like, oh shit, we didn't talk about all the other stuff that we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> but I so for anyone who's watching this right now, I'm gonna be posting up uh links to it uh, to explain a little bit more. Uh there's actually a link if you're watching on uh Facebook and I see a few people are watching on Twitch, there should be a link in the description that you guys can click on right now to go to the ideas page ideas.lego.com and you can just look up fighten so f-i-g-h-t apostrophe n flight micro mecca um and yeah can you tell me what this is uh in a minute or two yeah. that we have left so when i was really young like 90s kid over here yeah. like uh, well early 90s um there was this show i love like crazy called exo squads 
don't know if you've yeah. ever seen this show, but this show was dope. Like, you had these guys that got in these robots, and it was out at the same time as Mech Warriors. And I remember having this argument with this friend at the time back then, where he's like, Mech Warriors is the best. And I watched the whole show, and I'm like, it's just not as well written. You know, people <laughs> die in Exo Squads. It's hardcore. And I'm like this 10-year-old kid freaking out about this. And so, like, um, I had built my own Exo Squads at Lego. Like, I would That's build so the dope. same vehicles, like, in the show. And I'm like, this is so sweet. And, like, I would build all these bigger robots over the years. And then at one point, like, I started, re- like, um, I wanted to go smaller and smaller and smaller because I like the idea of using the smallest amount of pieces to build the most amount of detail. And then I stumbled upon, like, a few groups of people back in, like, the early 2000s that used to make their own, like, miniature robots as well. Yeah. And, like, we would all make, like, the, the body frames for them so that they were fully articulated. They could do all this stuff. I can show you one I made about, like, maybe, like, nine years ago. So I've got, like, this guy right here. I don't know how oh, well you cool. can see this guy. But uh, this guy is, like, the, one of the first ones I made. And, like, he's fully plausible. You know, like, you can move the arms around. Like, usually, like, the hip can move the legs can move like the, there's tons of joints all over the place yeah. karate kick and um i had made him and because i like i had always wanted to submit something to lego ideas because i make a lot of things out of lego like i made a turtle van i made a the batmobile from animated series and um i try to make them as on accurate your own. to the show as possible on your yeah, own 100 oh, actually cool. give me like one second i'll see if i can't like get like two or three things to show you really fast yeah show me the batmobile uh yeah guys the yeah definitely look up exo squad it's exo squad these mech suits look pretty damn cool and i definitely see what he's talking about because if you guys have looked at his lego idea page for fighting flight micro mechas you can see the inspiration behind the suits there's different pages that you can click on to look at them uh posable and then as they're transformed uh uh, okay, or, so yeah, he's oh, back. So sorry, no, I was just explaining All about right. the the mechs. So uh, super quick, like I, I make my own stuff. So like this is animated series Batmobile. Hot damn, you super made that blocky. yourself? And I don't follow instructions. Like I just kind of make it myself. And I even made the piece that this slides open, just like in the old animated Dude. series, and then it can slide shut. And then I got like Batman in there, and I build all the computers and a steering wheel and a drive. He's got like a is driving like is gear shifter and everything. That's like so cool. I really want it to be legit. Uh, I have like the party wagon from Ninja Turtles. Whoa, dude, that's so awesome! You made this all by yourself. Yeah, and like the back piece here can open up, and you got like Raphael back there ready oh, to d- jump damn. out. Uh, we of course have like the action yeah. where Mikey slides open, <laughs> and uh, I have it so you can actually pull the top off. And then you can like see all the turtles inside. Dude, that's And so I cool. met my one of my all-time artist heroes, Kevin Eastman, at the Montreal oh, Comic Con, and I had him sign it. it. And he was like, "Can I have this?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "What do you tell your hero when he asks you for something that like you spent God knows how many hours on, and you wanted him to sign it so you could put it up on a wall?" I was like, "Do I have to?" <laughs> do you? Oh my gosh! Do you order one more? Oh, yeah. This one's pretty retro, so I don't know how much of you are gonna remember this one, but uh, this is a Cadillac from the future. Uh, it's a series called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Oh my and god! And I actually made like the whole front opens up, and I built an engine in there. Ah, and damn. then in the back, I have like all of his gear to like try and survive and stuff, like in the frontier amazing. with all the dinosaurs. So I basically built these sort of things, and. Um, I ended up on like this forum where, you know, like we build little mechs all together and stuff like that. And I wanted to build something for Lego ideas. And I was thinking of showing these licensed ideas, but I realized that, um, you know, like there's a lot of licensed products out there, especially with ideas where they're like, they're going to come out with like 
a lot of cool things and things that I love. Like I have the Back to the Future car yeah, and I have too. like the Ghostbuster car and it's same. like these are amazing. Yeah. But at the same time, like I like to try and support original stuff too. Yeah. So I was going to submit just like the robot I showed earlier that doesn't transform. But then I realized that between the group of people that I hang out with and stuff, a lot of people make these sort of things. And I actually wouldn't think that it would be fair for me to submit something mm -hmm. where I did the work, but it also is a collaboration of other people's help to be able to get to that point. Yeah. And if I had done that, it, I think it would be cheap. And, and I wouldn't, it's just, I would feel bad about yeah. it, you know, because it's like, it's not 100% me, you yeah, know, like, yeah, and. Yeah. I don't like the idea of like other people that make the robots and some of the people in the forums I would be with, they'd be like, well, what the heck? You know, like, let's say hypothetically I win. They'd be like, hey, where's we our... made these two. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't like that. So what I did is I took it apart and then from scratch, I built my own frame and one that specifically could transform. And this took me weeks to do because when you're working with something so small, yeah, having it be able to transform without taking parts off was one heck of a challenge. <laughs> like it really was a lot of work. Yeah. So basically, like, I can show some to you really quick. I've got this one here. This one's unit two. And like the other ones, it's fully articulated. Like, you can move the arms, the legs, like, everything, the head. It all moves around. Love and uh, I actually, I don't know if you can notice here, because on my main Legos page, I didn't show it, but I actually since then added little stickers. So I had these decals from, like, old robot toys I had. Like, some of them were Gundams and other things that are, like, don't step here and avoid this and all that. And I started putting those stickers all over these robots because I thought it would be cool. That is cool. Um, Here's one of the same robots you just saw, but this one's in its like vehicle mode. Yeah. So it kind of looks like one of those hel futuristic helicopters you'd see in like That's a cyberpunk. Unit three, um, from what I see. Pardon? That's unit three, from what I'm seeing on the site. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this one's unit three. And then afterwards, I've got like my unit one. That's in like a, a whole docking bay over here. Oh, shit. So I can actually hold on. That looks got, like, so badass. Her. Unit one is a police unit, pilot piloted by a female pilot. And let's just put her down here. And there we go. Oh, yeah, I created backstories for all these characters. Yeah, too. I see that, too. And I tried making everything, like, as reminiscent to, like, past animes and series as possible, but mashing them all up, you know, like, um, with... Hold on, let's see if I can come on here really quickly. So, for my unit one, I wrote down that uh, the pilot's name is Kita Gurren, which is, like, really an homage name to a very popular anime franchise. I'm not going to say which ones, yeah. but all of it is kind of like in good fun. You know, like I'm just, it's kind of like a, a joke making fun of all of these things that I loved too as a childhood. And I would have like background stories for each pilot, like for the blue one, growing up in a family of law enforcement, she follows their footsteps as the hotshot rookie with something to prove. Learning to pilot Mecca from her father at such a young age, she's incredibly skilled. Hot damn. Uh, but unit two is my favorite one because this is the first one that I built. This one turns into like an actual plane. Um, if you like, you don't transform it completely. You can put it in the Gurwalk mode for those of you that love Macross. I didn't show that off in my Lego Ideas page because it's too much on the nose, so <laughs> I avoided that one. But um, this guy's name is Pat Izumi, which is based off another sweet mecha anime from back in the day. And his small village was attacked by bandits. His grandfather's last words directed him to a hidden trapdoor in the basement which housed an old yet well-kept military mecha. He saved his village utilizing pure raw talent and hidden unlocked potential. Hot damn, dude. <laughs> it doesn't get more anime than that. Super Defense Blaster <laughs> like, Macro .55 Missiles DRI Boosters like there's full... Dude, so essentially what you did here is similar to your comic book writing. You wrote stories. You developed a yeah. full universe around these characters. This is so cool. 
Arch yeah, hanger. I did. And like all the weapons you see too are all homages to things as well. Like you said, like macro point fifty five missiles. I mean, that's very similar to Macross if those five were S's. <laughs> and DRL boosters for those of you that remember the movie. <laughs> and Super Defense Force was the old show, so he's got like a Super Defense Blaster, you know, like and all of them kind of have like I created like like loadouts for all of them. Yeah. And they're all kind of like they're th like I changed it all in a way so it's like I won't get like in even hypothetically, because I know that there's some people that saw this and they're like, no, that's too much like Transformers. Names are just names. It's the yeah. kind of thing where if this gets to 10,000 supporters and Lego actually builds it, Lego could easily be like, okay, the names were really funny and cute, but we're not going to put them in there yeah. because we don't want to take the chance that Transformers is going to come after us because you named this the Arc, like the Arc Hanger, Hanger. Yeah. or like, you know, like this is called the Prime Matrix, like uh, Energy something, <laughs> yeah. you know, like at one point they're like, we'll, we'll just change the names. So I think that I... I think that I made it in a way that I could easily avoid any problems with those kind of companies if ever that comes yeah, yeah, up. Because yeah. I thought of that too. I had to, you know, like so many people will make things like a beautiful Zelda Breath of the Wild set where it's like, I would buy that. But but Nintendo's not going to say yes. Like, I can't tell you how many <laughs> Zelda sets have actually hit the 10,000. And within the same minute, you already have a note from Lego saying no. Oh shit. Like Nintendo doesn't want it. And it's sad. And then another thing has to do with pieces too, you know, like yeah. all my pieces for all these robots, um, all of them together come up to about four hundred and like Yeah, I saw I like four ninety or something, I think you wrote. Uh Not it's four fifty two. So the whole thing comes up to four fifty two. That's another thing where like I'd be on these idea pages where there's these incredibly well built things and it'll be like eight thousand pieces. And I'm Good like God. It's like they're not gonna make that. Yeah, like that's yeah, yeah. too much and it's such a shame because some of these things are so epic like i almost would love it if it if it did make it make it they could be like you subscribe and every like every couple of months you pay a 100 bucks and they send you parts <laughs> and then after like a year two years you have all the parts you know so you don't have to spend the three grand in one shot of yeah. what it would normally cost hot damn dude this is dope um i really want people to check it out uh, Fightin' Flight Micro Mecha. Uh, if you just look that up on ideas.lego.com, people, please do because this is some really dope. Like, it's fucking cool. I really think Thanks. this is really cool. Uh, and, you know, Eric, this was a great conversation, man. I really appreciate that you took the time today to geek out with me and we got to talk about so many fucking cool things. Comic books, uh, superheroes, uh, Exo Squad, Lego. Like, this is a dream come true type conversation. <laughs> These are all the things I fucking love talking about. Uh, it, do you want to tell people the social media? Like, where can they check out your stuff? Oh, yeah. So, um, for the Lego thing, like uh, Brian had said, is that um, it's on Lego Ideas. If you look up Fight and Flight Micro Mecha, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Even Micro and then Mecha, you'll find it pretty fast, I cool. think. Um, after that, like if you want access to my comic book and all that, it's basically on my Etsy page. Like If you just follow me on Facebook, it's my name. It's Eric with a K and then Taren, T-E-R-E-N, and then Mullins. So if you find that Facebook page from there, you'll find everything. Everything Dope. connects to my Facebook page. So Instagram and um, Etsy and all of that sort of thing. Awesome, man. I'm going to put all of those links, guys, so that you see all that stuff. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Not Journalist with Brian Holiday. Once again, Eric T. Mullins. Dude, thank you so much for coming through. This was a great conversation. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Geektastic Cypher at 6.30 here on, well, this is brianholiday.com, but you guys can also check it out at franklinarmstrong.com for Geektastic Cypher. We'll be over on the Franklin Armstrong page. Uh, if you guys are watching on Twitch or on Twitter, like I saw some people jumped in, thank you. I really appreciate it. This is a new thing I'm trying where I'm trying to live cast, uh, simulcast on multiple platforms at once, and it's been doing well, so I appreciate it. Uh, that's the whole thing, man. Eric, once again, thank you so much, dude. Take care. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Great. Peace, guys. And that's another edition of Not a Journalist with Brian Holiday. You guys can find more episodes on brianholiday.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-H-O-L-I-D-A-E. Also, follow me on all social media platforms at Brian Holiday. If you guys want to support me, make sure to check out my coffee page. That's ko-fi.com slash Brian Holiday. And if you have something to say, you can leave a message at anchor.fm slash not dash a dash journalist slash message. And I'll add it to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.